everyone, and welcome to We Are Marin and Doldy podcast featuring me, Chandler Alsbecker. And me, Aaron Williams. Aaron, I'm going to set a scene for you real quick. All right, paint the picture. The year is 2036, we'll say. You, for some reason, are in the greater Atlanta area at a Kia dealership. So I'm in Marietta. It's the highest per capita car dealership city I've seen ever but that's okay i uh i i would nominate maybe like pilot point texas because there is a car dealership there therefore it is uh, pretty high up because there are not a lot of people in pilot point texas fair enough um but uh so anyway you're 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 trying out a new sorrento and the owner mr stetson bennett the fourth is uh is is showing you around, showing you all the features, showing how good the stereo system is. What Green Day song, in honor of the, the man showing you the car, are you going to, to train to test out the stereo system? Uh, definitely Holiday. That's definitely the one, in part because the music video had a car, but also it's great uh, great driving music. That's 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 Crank It Up to 11. We, we ride, baby. We ride. Okay. Uh, you see, I, I was thinking the the brain stew jaded medley would work pretty well. Just a second ago, while I was uh, thinking about this, I remembered J A R Jason Andrew Relva. Don't know if you know it. I, I think it was they did like the Mary Jane's Last Dance thing, where they didn't release it until they put on the greatest hits album. But. Uh, I bet if I could go back to the things that Chandler listened to in the Green Bay catalog, you'd find a number of things. But but people found some old Stetson Bennett tweets this weekend, and none of them, as far as we know, I didn't do the checking, none of them were, like, problematic or anything. Just, like, just kind of a guy. It's only problematic if he's listening to Green Day post, like, 2006. I mean, like, like the, the yeah. music they released post-2006, then it's problematic for unproblematic reasons. Yeah, then it's just kind of lame. But he like said, uh, it's a great day to be eating chips and salsa and listening to Green Day. And I'm pretty sure he's my age. So like, I guess I, I haven't properly sat down and listened to Green Day in some, age, in some time. But I guess he and I have something in common. We like hanging out and eating chips and salsa on a random weekend night. Yeah, sounds like a good time. Another thing we have in common... We have uh, we have each won two national championships. Uh, his have been physical, you know, tangible. Mine, mine are just in video games. But yes. um, I think we are basically on the same level. Basically the same. I I smell no difference. Yeah. So I'm glad I did not end up going out somewhere to watch this game. <laughs> I feel like there's like a metaphor about like stale chips and salsa or something like just sitting there watching, just horrified, can't eat. So the chips just stay there and you, you just you just age with age with the game, you know, and then eventually the chips are the chips are there and everybody's dead and the chips are bad. And it's everybody's the survivors are miserable. And I don't I don't, I don't know some some. Something apocalyptic and with DFW and or chip tie-ins is what I'm trying to go for. I, I was trying to think of like a proper like literary comparison to this because it feels kind of 
I don't know. It, it feels like a proper story, this TCU. Like, it feels like right out of a movie. I don't know if it's a sports movie or some other kind of movie, but like, well, you know. Like a, it feels like a, like an SNL skit or something. Like, like, it's like an SNL parody of like a great, like, like a cheesy football movie. You know what I mean? Where it's like everybody gets all excited. The underdog wins the big game. You know, it's all in slow motion and Sonny Dykes is the the hero and, you know, Duggan is, you know, bleeding and leaving his heart out in the field and everything's great. And then all of a sudden there's a little, you know, the little record scratch thing or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, it's like, oh, now it's Georgia and they just get destroyed. And then like, and then, it, and then it's like over and like, so I don't, I don't know. Anyway, SNL, recent SNL cast member I even know is maybe, like, you know, you just say Keenan Thompson saying like, man, like they really screwed us up. You know, like somebody, you know, somebody saying something funny and like, I don't, I, I don't know. That that's kind of my, the kind of how I, how I think about it, maybe. I mean, it was it was bleak as a, as a fan of a middle class program of two middle class programs in in my case, in college football. It is just wow. That is that that was so deflating. Like. Yeah. You know, obviously, there's always some level of disparity in the sport. We can sort of like stylistic differences between Michigan and Georgia if we really wanted to. Mainly, like, I don't know, Michigan is just a bit burlier and, you know, TCU's speed doesn't play as well against a team that's even faster than them and also has uh, dudes everywhere. Yeah. But, wow, it's it's just a stark reminder of where we are. Cause, I mean, it was, it was really cool, the idea of, okay, anyone really can play for a national championship in the sport. We got Cincinnati in the playoff last year. We get a team in TCU that's been all over the place over the last 25 years in this sport. Um, doesn't have, I mean, they've got some real talent. You know, Max Duggan's a four-star. Quentin Johnson is, I think, a five-star. They've got, you know, good transfer pieces here and there. But in general, they're just kind of like, a, I would say, on overall talent level. I think SP Plus had them um, in the top 10 this year, which is, you know, that that's good. That's it's very good. good. It's not Georgia, though. It's not Georgia. There's just such a gap between the top one to three teams in a given year and everyone, and everyone else. Well, and everybody, I mean, everybody, anybody can play for a championship. Not anybody can win a championship. I mean, I think that's just the unfortunate reality of... Maybe and maybe and again maybe maybe they play this game a hundred times maybe TCU I don't know I don't know maybe maybe I'm trying to think of it, make a joke about a scenario where they, I don't know if they win maybe maybe they win one I don't know but certainly don't win ten so I certainly don't win twenty not not playing like that before the game uh, Parker Fleming at Stats War on Twitter uh, he's a TCU podcaster but he's a numbers guy and. His computer spat out roughly a one in five chance that TCU would win. And he was incredibly excited about that prospect because yeah. he didn't think it'd be that high. And and maybe, you know, one in five times TCU wins this game. But it's really, really hard to imagine those uh, that that one scenario, because I've seen one of the ones where they don't. And it woof woof. Yeah, well, I mean, it was. They did play exceptionally poorly, too. Like, it wasn't like they came out and played their best football. I mean, they were – I mean, they they weren't – I mean, the defense was just not good enough in general. Um, 
but you know, I mean, the turnovers really, I mean, the turnovers and, you know, mistakes and miscues, I mean, those things really hurt, you know? And I think maybe there's a world where like those don't happen and maybe you get lucky a few more times on offense in the first half and okay. And it's a game, you know, and they feel less dispirited, but I mean, it's such, it's such a, so really, you know, it's like when the Gophers play Ohio state, you know, it's like, I mean, teams with that much talent, you just, things have to go wrong for them and right for you. It's just how it goes. You need luck. You know, you need the, you need, you need Talon Cooper to, you know, to go, go to the line after a clear, clear, amazing block by Ohio State's point guard with one second left. You know, like it doesn't, you can't, can't just, you know, a, nor, a normal game will just not suffice with when the, there's that big of a talent gap. It's just the hard reality of it. And you, you, you've got to, you've got to be on it. You know, I, it was, Georgia did a lot of drop seven, drop eight stuff where they basically, they, they had a spy on Duggan and um, rushed three and the offensive line for TCU did not have a great night. Uh, but there were, there were instances on passing downs where they, they didn't bring the house. They just kind of said, we know you've got, these these good receivers and this good quarterback we're gonna make it you're gonna we're gonna make you try to make it work um and they they showed uh the the overhead wire camera a few times where duggan is looking downfield and there's nowhere to throw the ball and he's just sitting there for five seconds and his options are run or try to force a ball um you know they they played a smart game they tackled well they you know offensively georgia they they just they won at the Lions. Just Brock Bowers. Yeah, that's it. Like if you take Brock Bowers out of this game, maybe there's a chance because you know there there may be that's that's just a, another dimension to this offense that no one in the country has. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was pretty dispiriting. At what point did you relegate that to a secondary concern in your evening, or just turn it off entirely? I fell asleep at halftime, woke up a couple times and never felt inclined to uh, never really felt inclined to wake myself up, if that makes sense. Like whenever I woke up, I was like, oh, OK, let's go back to sleep now. Like I, I, I and then I think at the with about 10 minutes left in the fourth, I think I maybe saw Bennett's curtain call. Maybe, but by that point, I just I went upstairs and went to bed. I mean, it was just. There's nothing happening, right? I mean, just, just depressing. It was depressing. Like you said, it was bleak. It was not. It was not fun. And I, I, I watch football almost under almost any circumstance, but like that was profoundly bad football <laughs> to watch. You know, like there was. I mean, the stakes or not. I mean, that was like worse than like. That was like as bad as the the, the three Gopher wins at the beginning of the year. You know what I mean? Maybe, you know. Throw out again. Throw out the stakes. I mean, just the in terms of the quality of football played. I mean, it was it was terrible. It was really terrible and and very unfun to watch, you know. And it was kind of at the beginning, it was kind of like, oh, Georgia has some dudes again, Brock Bowers. But by the end, I was like, okay, again, Brock Bowers. You know, I don't know. Maybe that makes sense. Maybe it doesn't at all. I mean, it, there's there were no there was no essence of any kind of drama. Um, after probably, I guess, Georgia's second drive, because they punted. Well, uh, well I TCU, mean, of the, of the second half is what I'm saying. Should have oh, yeah. finished that clause. Um, 
after the second drive and in, in the second half because they punted on their first drive, but then TCU, I really didn't think they should have punted. They, they were they were around midfield. It was like fourth and eight something. I, it, was, it was long to where like in a neutral situation, you're like, okay, yeah, probably punted, but like your defense is playing like crap. You're going up against the best team in the country. You got to take your chances and but they anyway it didn't matter like if they'd stored on that drive instead of punting um or kicking a field goal or whatever they did then it wouldn't have mattered because they lost by 58 right (laughs) so yeah um i guess the only um only other thing I, i i would like to mention here um i don't know uh did you like john williams piece that he was it was it was cool i didn't really realize it was happening until like midway through so i I popped it on yeah i i i'm pro john williams you know he can he's out if he's at the festival i'm showing up you know (laughs) um coming out and be out in the rail uh for john williams uh yeah no it was it was cool i i don't know they don't have much many thoughts other than that he seems like a really cool dude makes makes cool all the cool music for all the cool movies you know since the 70s or 80s or whatever so good for john williams might my, my, you know even even that like modest modest praise i guess is probably it might have been the best part of that game honestly just the fact that it wasn't terrible it it, it really was like uh it felt wasted in retrospect it's like he's retired from music and they went out and got him and said hey you like can you can you do this and and then he did it and it was good and yeah. the game was awful yeah um but anyway i was at a different national title game this week uh i decided on a whim you know i i've never done the fcs title game in frisco it's the dakota marker game um i'm down here still i don't know how many times i'll be down here you know where it lines up so let, let's just let's let's do the 30 minute drive or whatever 40 minutes it's only 30 minutes i think what map said officially was 35 um and you know so it, it's not the best drive because you're going down some roads where people are driving like maniacs but um it's it's not too long uh so i i decided to go out and and do it uh paid more than i wanted more than i expected because it seemed like those last couple days prices were going down and then day of they uh they they were good in the morning then by the time i actually got to frisco they had shot back up again which was a fun surprise because at that point you're in frisco yeah Uh, no turning back um i guess theoretically but then you know sunk cost fallacy whatever so i i went to the game in south dakota state um pretty much rolled right over North Dakota State, which uh, seemed pretty cathartic for them. Uh, This is their first national championship. They have been one of the few teams in the country that's had NDSU's number over the last few years. They won earlier this year. I can't remember if that game was in Brookings or in Fargo, but it did happen in the Jacks won. And uh, there have been there have been a number of occasions where they've beaten the Jacks in the playoffs or uh, in, in the regular season, then lost in the playoffs. And uh, a couple years ago, they made the title game, but they lost to Sam Houston State. 
and this is I think the 15th 16th year for John Stiedelmeier and they've just come so close but they finally broke through this time and they did it with some authority they did it with a very large SDSU contingent in the stadium it only holds 20,000 I would guess it's slightly reduced because they said it was a sellout at 18 and change I thought they could have done it somewhere bigger like 30 35,000 or something like that because the enthusiasm was there um and uh I don't know it was, it was a it was a neat experience it wasn't the best game in the world I I think the whole doing it on basically uh a whim kind of didn't let me like build it up and also I, I just I don't want to watch these teams that much during the year I, I know a few players um just you know, by watching the playoffs or like one regular season FCS game a year, more or less. Um, but I don't know. Um, probably the coolest moment was was SDSU's pop pass because, you know, pop passes are always fun, especially when you do them in the middle of the field. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're always a bit of a surprise. And there's that moment where it's hanging in the air before the guy actually catches it if he's wide open where everyone realizes what's happening kind of, you know, is in semi suspense to see if the guy catches it and then he does. And uh, the Jacks fans, they got loud. They got real loud, which was uh, pretty neat. And um, and then after the game, they stormed the field. Yeah. Which, you know, don't get that at the the uh, the college football playoff. <laughs> uh, and and I, I stayed for the trophy presentation, and they got up on the big stage that they had set up and. Uh, I don't know. It's just a, a cool scene, and I'm I'm glad I did it. And um, yeah, I, I think you could find a more interesting place to hold it than Frisco, a bigger stadium than the FC Dallas Stadium. But um, I'm guessing Frisco gives them some some tax breaks because that is Frisco's main cultural export is giving tax breaks to sports teams. So how uh, how was kind of the lot scene? I, it looked like on TV, like too, it was pretty fun as far as tailgating goes. Did you get did you do any of that? Or are you kind of last minute? Uh, I, I didn't do that. I showed up um, and parked probably an hour before kickoff, but you know that that's still early enough to see some people kind of milling about, you know, with their flags or whatever. So I didn't walk through any of it, but I could see it from where I was walking, and you know, seemed like there was there was good hanging to be had. I just didn't didn't do that I, I i don't do much of that when i go to games alone anyway because it's more of a communal thing yeah it's a communal thing if you don't know anyone it's yeah. just a little hard to especially for me who's not exactly the most extroverted type you can't just wander over to a tenant and say hey how's it going you know that doesn't really that that's not my thing but um you know it, it, it was it was cool and uh people showed up for it people went wild for it and uh and the buys and loss which is always a positive because yeah. uh, they, they do too much winning yes yeah, so i was gonna say i mean i know south dakota state is kind of a budding dynasty an emerging dynasty even though they've only won one like it feels like they're they've been good enough for long enough that it really feels like they're that kind of level of power i mean ndsu has just won so much that it's good good to see change it's good to see parity Although I will say with F F FCS, it's like it feels like that parity is, you know, you're mostly you're, you're kind of getting the same perennial powers every year. 
Um, it'd be nice to kind of have more of a middle class per se, uh, but regardless of the top, it's good to see some change. Yeah, it does feel sort of like uh, what's happening with women's basketball right now, where for years and years it was just UConn, and now it's UConn, but it's also South Carolina, and God, I, I can't remember who else. Stanford, they've won a national title a couple of years ago, and you know, A&M and Notre Dame have had good teams over the years, and uh, historically, or Tennessee, yeah, yeah, LSU. But I, I think it's slightly different. And one, it's it's sort of a a rise of like a a fuller upper class in FCS. But also, some of the teams that are doing well or winning titles in FCS uh, are graduating to FBS. James Madison did that. Sam Houston State is about to do that. App State a while ago. Yeah, and Georgia Southern. So uh, it feels like more teams are wanting to make the jump to FBS these days because of a potential restructuring in NCAA football uh, in the upcoming years. And um, I would be surprised if like Montana State and Montana left, but who's to say that like if the Pac-12 doesn't get some Mountain West schools and maybe the Mountain West isn't looking for teams to come up, something like that. But I have no idea what's going to happen with the Pac-12 going forward. So that's just one scenario that could potentially maybe happen at all i don't know so yeah uh that's the college football season which means it is time for uh the dreaded off season we are we're still in the time of year where we did some news the first of which came down i believe late last week Rutgers going after and then in fact hiring kirk shiraka as their offensive coordinator a position he held before at Rutgers, like 10 years ago but that obviously left a void in the Minnesota coaching staff. They filled it with Matt Simon and Greg Harbo being elevated to co-OCs, Greg Harbo moving from tight ends to quarterbacks coach. This is not surprising, is it? No, no, not particularly. I mean, if you want to be cynical, you could say, well, he left us before and he'll leave us, he'll leave us again. Um, but um, I was a little bit surprised by, by like, an, like an ounce surprised by Shiraka leaving. But obviously with, with, with Shiraka leaving, I think the fact that specifically Simon was called up to fill the void, um, that was of no, no surprise to anybody. I mean, he was, a, I mean, I mean, even last year and previously he had been in the conversation for this role. So. Um, just somebody with that kind of experience, that kind of familiarity, it made sense. Hopefully, it means they'll use wide receivers more. I don't know, but it might not. Yeah, I the, the question was, so the, the Dophers, or at least Fleck, has this thing where he really needs the coordinator to be the, the quarterback's coach which I don't think is necessary. I, I get it, but I don't think it's necessary. The The idea being that you need to have pretty much constant communication and, and you know being on the same page as the quarterback if you're the one either formulating the game plan or calling plays, which I would expect. I mean, I, so Harbo has never called plays, just straight up. His positions to this point have all been quality control or positional or like recruiting coordinator stuff. Um, so this is his first time coaching quarterbacks, which, you know, that I, I, I don't know how much at the college level is mechanical in terms of 
quarterback stuff. Um, but anyway, it was, it was kind of a question of, okay, are, are they going to move Simon to quarterbacks coach? Are they going to make him the sole OC as receivers coach? Are they going to find someone else to coach? For? It, it was, it's, uh, there were some minor questions, but, um, you know, the, the only possible surprise, I guess, is in the move they took. Is that specifically Harbo, who, again, has never coached quarterbacks, became the quarterbacks coach moving from tight ends. Um, but staying in-house, that's on brand, you know. Yeah. This is a um, – Fleck likes to hire guys that he knows, although the three guys that have been hired today are, I don't believe, anyone with direct Fleck ties. But specifically, offensively, they – they kind of have their system and are going to run it based on the Mike Sanford era. And obviously Sanford introduced some of his own things that some of which stayed behind, some of which didn't. Um, but the overall basics of we're going to run a very simple scheme, we're going to RPO the other team to death. That's pretty constant. So I guess we'll figure out who's calling plays when we get closer to the season. I would bet Simon just because of experience, but who knows? There have been three other hirings, like I said. I don't have as many comments on each of them, but they do need to be mentioned. First, safeties coach and co-DC, or sorry, cornerbacks coach and co-DC is uh, Nick Monroe, who comes from Syracuse, where he was the safeties yep. coach and the interim defensive coordinator. Previous stops include Bowling Green for six years, Colgate five or six years, Allegheny College, where he got his first college coaching job, and uh, he is a graduate of St. Cloud State University and is a native of Matamidi. He uh, is known in Syracuse circles as one of their better recruiters. People really liked what their uh, their cornerbacks have done over the last few years, but um, I can't really speak to any of that in part because, like I said a couple weeks ago, I did not do as much bowl prep as I probably should have. But also, um, as we said with the other uh, position coaches leaving, um, it's hard to ascribe too much to the position coaches at any time. You know, sometimes you just you get the guys and they work out because they're talented. Um, and obviously you, you can't be bad at your job but we don't necessarily know that he's going to be um, an incredible quarterbacks coach for the Gophers or anything, but Nick Monroe, he's coming to town and um, certainly has the makings of a quality quarterbacks coach. If nothing else, there are signs pointing in that direction. If nothing else. Yeah. He's, he's consistently gone upwards. He's gone from, I think Allegheny college's division two to, to an FCS school, to a Mac school, to an ACC school. And now he's picked up a, co-DC title uh, at a Big Ten stool. So definitely he keeps moving up, um, which is uh, a good sign. Also, this is three assistants on, on Minnesota's staff who at one point was at Allegheny College because that's, that's Joe Rossi's alma mater. Um, and then I believe Rob Winger also coached at, uh, at Allegheny College some years ago, um, or at least was a staffer. The other two coming on, uh, Northern Illinois running backs, fullbacks coach, and uh, special teams coordinator Nick McKissick-Luke is the new running backs coach here. Has been at NIU for three years. Before that, Youngstown State, South Dakota State, Benedict College in South Carolina. That's a D2 school. He is a graduate of Alabama A&M. 
after first starting his college playing career at Alabama, he replaces Kenny Burns, who left for Kent State to be their head coach. Not really anything I can say is there. I assume you don't have anything on Nick McKissick-Luke? I do not. No, that's correct. Okay. And then uh, Andrew Souter, the now former Kent State offensive coordinator for the last five years, is joining staff as tight ends coach. Before that, he was the offensive coordinator at San Jose State for a year. He coached wide receivers at Bowling Green in Eastern Illinois, running backs for one year at West Texas A&M. He was a student assistant at Baylor for a couple years. Uh, that is where he went to school. And he is a native of Shallow Water, Texas in the Panhandle. So we welcome all West Texans to staff. We can't really say if Souter and uh, McKissick Lute are like proper recruiters, but you think of running backs coach and tight ends coach as being kind of key recruiting positions on staff because a tight ends are usually not the most important position on your team and, and running back a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, especially here and, and running backs, uh, you know, run, obviously you need to coach running backs like any position, but, uh, there it is the most straightforward position in football where you actually hold a football. So, you know, coaching is not as big of a, uh, a point of emphasis, but you would figure that, you know, potentially Texas and Deep South connections could be of some use, but we're also more than 10 years removed from uh, those two guys coaching in either place. So that's all entirely speculative. The only vacancy on staff currently is defensive line coach after Brick Haley left for Purdue, which I believe we mentioned last week. I would imagine we will see that position filled soon, possibly like tomorrow. Uh, we're recording on Thursday, so uh, this could be out of date pretty shortly, or at least that note. Good to see those being filled quickly, kind of a necessity in this day and age. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. I thought I read, and I'm looking this up to see if my instincts are right. Did I read that that Winston Delata Badair is going to be the, D, the, the, the D-line coach? Oh, uh I don't, I, I never saw it confirmed, but I did see that they were at least trying. And I, I, I can't believe I forgot that because um, I really like Winston Tlata Badair. Yeah. Uh, it has not been reported as, as uh, I, I mainly look at Andy Greeter's Twitter for this yeah. sort of thing because he's probably the top Gophers reporter right now, him and Ryan Burns. Um, and he has not had any sort of like confirmation tweet. Just he said they're they're working hard on on making it happen. Um, since leaving, he's coached defensive line at Charlotte. He was a, a GA or an analyst at Oregon for a year or two. And this past season, he was defensive line coach at Akron. Uh, and uh, you know, obviously he. I mean, so I, I never met the guy, obviously, but I watched the press conferences he did as a senior. Um, and, you know, he, you, you saw his role. You heard other people talk about him as a as a teammate, as a uh, as a leader on the team. And it makes total sense that he got into coaching, if I'm being frank. He has he has the right personality. He seems like um, a really smart, easily relatable guy. Um, and, yeah, I 
I really liked him and, and I, I was very happy with the way he represented the school I went and got my degree from, even if he wasn't like a stellar player or anything. Um, you know, he, 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 he did a job and, um, yeah, I, I would be pretty happy to see him come around. Um, though obviously, uh, you could call him the question, you know, like insularity or whatever, like if, if five years, Winston Delata Bader and Thomas Barber, by the way, is a GA with the team right now. Um, and Tanner Morgan and Mariana Sori Marin are all on staff. <laughs> I mean, that wouldn't be a big surprise, would it? But it no. would also, you know, th this this is one of the things that can kind of undermine a coaching staff with time is you just you 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 become too loyal to your guys. Uh, but you know, Delada Bader has been other places, and also you know they just had an opportunity to hire a bunch of Fleck guys, and none of the guys they've just hired. Um, have worked with Fleck before. Uh, not even any of them have overlapped with any of the assistants um, on this current staff, as far as I know. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, it's it's more of a uh, thing to look at in the future, possibly. But, um, but yeah, so we, we will maybe see any sort of confirmation of Dalada Badera as defensive line coach, or maybe that's just past. We'll see. Um, I did want to briefly mention, because we haven't gone too long at this point, uh, it is basketball season, and Minnesota men's basketball has won a Big Ten game. Yes, we were worried We were worried they wouldn't at one point, and that one point was very recently, like an hour ago, <laughs> two hours ago. Yeah, um, they won at Ohio State, which they don't do a whole lot, um, but... Uh, Free throw shooting remains a problem. Yeah. Don't feel perfect about the defense's ability to hold a, an eight-point lead with a couple minutes left. Should no. feel better about it than, than I do now. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, the defense has played a little bit better. You know, the offense, I mean, has played really better since the Wisconsin game, although they turned it over a lot in the Wisconsin game. But it seems like they're they're slowly sort of starting to maybe figure it out or figure something out. I mean, they're at least competitive against ma major conference teams, which they were not, you know, early on in the season. So, I mean, it, it, it kind of tracks the trajectory of it, it being such a freshman team, such a young team. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's like Flavak's first year, you know, <laughs> you know, where it's all freshmen and, you know, then they grow together and then eventually they become good. I don't know if that's going to be the same arc. I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying, you know, you play a bunch of freshmen who, frankly, weren't five-star freshmen. You know, they had they had their they have they had their moments and their skills and their upsides and whatnot. But you know, maybe they maybe they just played terribly for a few months and now they're starting to you know get their wings or get their what do you what do you say get their I don't know just get it together more or less um, and improve. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I will um, offer that. It seems like they've gotten better at shooting over the last few games. Jamison Battle, his three-point percentage is not where it was last year, um, but he's he's hitting shots a bit more frequently. It seems like he is starting to get over his uh, his his injury that he was dealing with at the start of the year. I think Dar Dawson Garcia has looked pretty good the last couple games. Yeah, 28 uh, today. Yeah, a season high. It, it you know um, we're seeing what it can 
you know what what it does for you when you have a stretch four who can drive the rim. Yeah. Um, and for Alpine, it is it's not a perfect player or anything, but he he's giving you some fight every game. He's he's a tough guy in the paint. Um, and uh, I don't know. Talon Cooper has contributed a bit. Uh, Joshua Ola Joseph is you know not consistent, but he, he's a guy who can get to the basket. Uh, that just this team turns the ball over too much. They're not as consistent as you want. Uh, as I will say though, the, the turnovers, the last two games, the turnovers have been a lot better, especially in the second half of against Ohio State. There were mu- way fewer turnovers than there have been. Those, I, I'm, I'm hoping that that peaked in the Wisconsin game, the 20 turnovers or whatever against Wisconsin, and that it's that they learned that learned their lesson or whatever. You know, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that'll rear its ugly head again, but. Um, the last couple games, they've really improved from that standpoint. It, it's, it's. I'm really wanting to believe that that's a sign of better, better days to come because that really does limit you. Even if you shoot well, even if you run better offense, if you turn it over at the end of the possession, it, it doesn't matter, you know. Yeah, and you know, this is uh, this is still a work in progress. Yeah. But um, and, and we can point to like you know Wisconsin, they were missing. Is it is it Roivers who was out? Reavers no, was, no, no, it was what's his name? It was not. He was he, Reavers is an old guy. Um, yeah, they're all the same. These these white Wisconsin bigs. I know. Their their current iteration of of of, of, of a dollar store Ethan Happ or whatever, you know. Um, the Brian Butch, I don't know. Satan, you know, just goes. Um, but yeah, they were they were missing their guy. But uh, yeah, I know you know. But Nebraska, that's a real team. Ohio State, that's a real team. Ohio it, was, it, was a Tyler, team. it was Tyler Wall. That's who Tyler it. Wall, yeah. Um, but yeah, Ohio State, they were 10th in Ken Palm coming into the night. They're 17th after this game. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska is not an exceptional team by any stretch. Not that Wisconsin is either. Um, but you played two tight games um, against teams that... Uh, you know, are in the Big Ten, <laughs> yeah. which is very, you know, not not the it's kind of backhanded. Uh, but like th- there's talent in this conference all the way up and down, yeah. uh, aside from maybe Northwestern. And um, you, you played them close. You played them closer than we expected. And then you went on the road and you you uh, played probably better than you, you got a result that maybe isn't sustainable. You know, that shooting percentage was up towards 50% for a good chunk of the game, but you got it done and that counts. So uh, that that's, a, that's the type of performance we've been wanting to see. And if nothing else, it means that they will not go winless in big 10 play. Yes, absolutely. Which was becoming a concern. Yes, that would have been not, not, not to anybody's, not to anybody's liking. So uh, we'll continue to monitor basketball happenings. Um, next week, we will talk about every album I listened to last year, which is a shorter list than I think we've ever done. It's only 32, I think it was. Something like that. Uh, um, but we have a, a fun time with that every year we do it. So um, even, even if it's a bit self-referential, uh, Aaron agrees to it every time. Yeah, I, it's fun. What can I say? It's fun. Just uh, talking about music, which we do a lot in our free time anyway. So um, unless you had anything else you want to drop in here? 
Uh, no, no, go Gophers. Beat uh, beat the Illini, I think, this weekend is when it's happening. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Monday, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, I think so. so. And go Vikings. Go Vikings. <laughs> beat uh, Beat the Giants. Who knows with that team, but, you know, we're in the playoffs. Yay. <laughs> and, and while we're on the subject of just uh, throwing our support by teams, uh, behind teams, um, Texas Tech, who lost horribly to Iowa State the other night and is currently in 60th in Ken Baum, exactly one spot a- ahead of North Texas. Um, they do play Texas this Saturday. Oh, oh. Is that in tech? That could be a... Where is that? Is that in Lubbock? That is... Um, that is at the Moody Center in Austin. Oh, that's... That might be for the better. <laughs> it's, it's... I almost don't want to know what would come come out of the student section in that, in that, and then that under those particular circumstances, but... It's uh, it's been a weird kind of rough step back for tech basketball. The message boards have been stupid. I imagine. And uh, you know, still still could make the tournament this year, but we'll see what happens. Anyway, everyone have a good weekend, and uh, when we talk next, we'll, we'll hopefully be talking about a, a team with two. Or I guess we won't be talking about them, but we'll 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 have a team with two Big Ten wins. Maybe we'll be talking about them. Who knows? Who knows what could happen? You know, maybe Bronny commits. I, I'd be surprised. See everyone. Bye.